Thank you so much for joining us for the Summit Podcast. This message was produced with you in mind, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has shown himself faithful in your life. Email us at mystory@summittogether.com. However you're joining us today, maybe you're listening after the fact to this podcast or watching the video later, whatever it is, thank you for worshiping with us. I pray that God will bless you as you worship with us from wherever you are, however you're joining us today. Um, Let me remind you about one thing real quickly. November 7th and 8th, next weekend, we're going to be celebrating um, dozens and dozens of baptisms in all of our services. So if you've never been baptized before, maybe you've made a decision for Christ over the last few months, but you haven't followed Christ in water baptism, we want you to take that next step. It's an incredible step, and we want you to do that. And and please invite your friends. So you can sign up today at our info center, or you can go to the website, summittogether.com, and and sign up online, register online for which service you'd like to be baptized in. But then invite all your friends, all your neighbors, your coworkers, the people that normally would not attend church on their own, invite them that day so they can be a part of what God is doing in your life. And and we're going to give them an opportunity to know Jesus as well that day. So invite your friends, your neighbors, get them here that day. It's going to be incredible. I can't wait to celebrate next weekend with you as we see dozens of people baptized. So it's going to be a great weekend. Um, You know, I love the video we just saw because uh, the teenagers in our church are excited about what God is doing. And you heard several times them say, talk about the building, but several of the students brought it back to, um, I can't wait to see what God is going to do through the youth ministry at the summit. I can't wait to see what, how God uses us. I can't wait to see the lives that are changed. And even the, the little kids, um, they don't fully grasp what all is going on. They don't truly get it in a lot of ways, but we're trying to help them develop a culture of generosity in their life where they say, hey, you know what? Um, the things I have are important, but everything I've got is God's. And so we had kids bring some of their favorite toys to give away just as an exercise to help them see that, hey, God wants us to give our very best, and so we're going to take those and donate those locally and, um, and use those for God's glory. I had somebody say, are you, uh, you're going to give the toys back to the kids afterwards, aren't you? No? No, they're not. They're donating the toys, so I'm sorry if you are upset with that. But um, we're going to see God work miraculously even through our kids, so our kids, our teenagers, and we believe God is doing some big things uh, through the summit and through the people of this church, you know, like I said, our, our vision is to see every life made different. And the way we do that is through living out a lifestyle like Jesus did uh, in our world and loving people really well. Today, we're going to talk just a little bit about, about prayer. Um, you know, this whole initiative that we've been on over the last month has been bathed in prayer. Um, our 24 hours of prayer that we had um, a couple weeks ago was great time, and I was not here for the entire 24 hours, but after our night of worship at 10 o'clock that night, we had a night of prayer, or about an hour of prayer up in our youth room with some of the teenagers, some of our student leaders, some of our adult leaders, and then just whoever was here to pray. And one of the coolest things about that was hearing our students intercede and pray for kids to come to know Jesus and be saved, for their campuses to be one for Jesus, and hear them call out to God and say, God, help us win our friends. Help us win our, 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 the other students in my class, my, my, you know, the classmates to Jesus. It was cool to hear those prayers and hear the heart behind our teenagers um, that, that they want to see God do incredible things. This is not just a grown-up thing. This is not just something we want. It's something that God wants, but it's filtering through every generation in our church. And this whole thing has been bathed with prayer from the very start. I can tell you that our leadership 
um, over a year ago when we started talking about this and, and, and thinking about it and dreaming about it and, and imagining what God could do, um, we were praying, we were seeking God, we were believing God for some big things. And, and over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the book of Nehemiah, and we're going to start there today, but it really begins with this incredible prayer that Nehemiah prays, and I want to share that with you this morning. And like I said, we'll get into this a little more next week, but Nehemiah, uh, at this period of history, the Israelites, uh, the nation of Israel was, was scattered at best. Um, they had been uh, conquered, Jerusalem was in ruins, and the nation of Israel was scattered all over, all over the, the known world at that time. And there was a, a man named Nehemiah that he was serving as the cupbearer for uh, King Artaxerxes. And uh, what that basically meant was he had to test the food and drink the drinks before the king did, because if he was poisoned, then Nehemiah would die and not the king. And so that was his job. How would you like that to be your job in life? You would be a human guinea pig. That's what all you did. But that's what he did. And so he, he worked in close proximity to the king, but he did not really have access to the king. He really didn't. It wasn't like they were buddies. They weren't texting each other before they went to sleep at night. Hey, I hope you have a good day tomorrow, buddy. You know, praying for you. It wasn't like that, okay? Um, he, he served a role, and that was all he did. And so this is who he was, and this is what... It says in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah. Now, it happened in the month of Chislev. Nehemiah is, 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 um, he is narrating this. It says, Now, it happened in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, concerning Jerusalem. So he said some, some people came his way who had been in Judah, had been in Jerusalem, and he hadn't been there, maybe in his whole life, but he, he had heard stories. And, and so they came through and he said, tell me what's going on in Jerusalem. Let me hear the gossip. Because there wasn't Twitter. There weren't uh, news updates or news alerts on your phone. He had not heard what was going on. He had not seen any updates. So he wanted to know what is happening in Jerusalem. Because Jerusalem was a really, I mean, even today, it's a really important city to Israelites. It's a really important uh, city to the Jewish people. It's a holy city in many, many ways. And so it's valuable, not just in its location, but also what it represents. Because it represents to many Jewish people the, the city of God. So he asked them, tell me what's going on with the people that are there, the people that had, had returned from exile or escaped exile, the people that were just left in Jerusalem. What is going on with Jerusalem? This is what it says in Nehemiah 1.3. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. So what, what they say, they, the report they give is troubling because they said, the, the gates are, have been burned down and the walls are, are decrepit and destroyed. And really, it's in bad shape. The people there are, are morally just, um, just bankrupt. They, 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 are, they feel like God has abandoned them and they really feel like there's no hope, there's no future. They feel like um, their, their joy is gone. And what a horrible picture he painted, Right? Because this city represents God's promise in so many ways to the Jewish people. And when Nehemiah hears this, he understands that a city without walls and a city without gates is a city that can't defend itself. It's a city that has no standing. It's a city that has no strength. And he hears this, 
And he responds in a very visceral way because it's not just simply about the city. It's about the standing of the people in the city. It's about the the future of those people. It's about what what God has in store for them. It's about the promises that God has for them that it seems like maybe he's forgotten about. So in in Nehemiah 1.4, it says, As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Now, you see this guy break down and sob, and I'm a little uncomfortable with men that can cry. I'm just personally, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with that. So I don't know how to feel about Nehemiah. I'm just kidding. If you're new to the church, I cry every service just about. So just wait. I'll probably cry at some point. Um, but what does he do? He has this visceral reaction to what's going on. Is this about the walls? Is this about the city? No, it's about the people that are represented by the city. His heart is broken over these people. He's, his heart is broken over what is happening to the Jewish people. And he weeps and he mourns and he prays and he fasts. He has this very physical, visceral reaction to what is happening there. It's not just this passing fancy where he goes, man, that's too bad. Gosh, somebody should do something about that. Have you ever been flipping through the channels late at night and you're you flipping through and you stop on that that the infomercial of the, the the nonprofit organization and there's this picture of this emaciated child and they've got flies all over them and you know for 30 cents a day you could help this child and you see that and you go oh man that that's oh gosh that poor child somebody should do something click 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 right. And we know somebody should do something. But then for Nehemiah, it went another step. He said, God, I need you to work. I need you to do something. And then he has this moment where he says, God, why not use me? You you could use me in this situation. He said, it's not enough for us just to pray, for us to feel bad, for us just to have a visceral response. He begins to pray this prayer. So listen to this prayer. He says in Nehemiah 1, 5, he said, And I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. He points out who God is, and this is fantastic. He, 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 He reminds God of who God is. He reminds God of his identity because God needs that. Sometimes he forgets, right? Some, sometimes God is like, where did I leave my keys and what am I? No, no. What is Nehemiah doing? He's reminding God, but he's really doing is reminding himself because he's in this situation where he sees his people. He sees this, this hopeless situation and he doesn't need to remind God about who he is and his character and his nature. He needs to remind himself of God's character and nature because he sees this hopeless situation and he said, oh Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. He's reminding himself. He said, God, you know who you are, but I want to remind myself who you are. You are a good God. You are God of all the heavens. You are great and awesome. You keep your covenant. You love us steadfastly. He's reminding himself of God's greatness and God's goodness, of God's character, of God's nature. That's one of the elements we have to remember when we pray is that we have to remind ourselves who God really is because sometimes I think we lose focus when we're praying and we forget how good and how big and how powerful and how incredibly awesome our God is. Sometimes we think our God is limited by the size of our problems, but our God is not limited by the size of our problems. God is bigger than our circumstance, our situation. And we have to remind ourselves of that. 
He goes on in verse 6 to say, Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you, even I in my father's house have sinned. Now, let me stop there. It's interesting because... He says, I, I am praying day and night. I am, I am interceding for the nation of Israel. I'm interceding for these people. Again, remember, he didn't say I'm interceding that somebody will build those walls back. He's saying, God, I'm interceding that you would bring life to a dead people again, that you would resurrect this nation, that you do something incredible. That's what I'm praying. And he said, I'm doing it day and night. I'm, I'm, I'm not just going to throw up one little weakling prayer and go, oh, God, if it's your will, maybe you'll do something great there. In your name, amen. And you go, well, I prayed. I don't know what else I'm supposed to do. He said, no, I care about this so deeply and passionately that I'm seeking God, that I'm continually praying and asking God to do a miracle in the people's hearts, in their lives, to do something incredible. And then he goes on to make this really incredible confession. He said, we're confessing the sins of the people of Israel. He makes a, a corporate confession of sin. He said, corporately as a nation, we are sinful. Don't, don't you think there are probably some people that need to do that for our nation at times? Go, God, we say we're a Christian nation. Wow, we are wicked. Like our hearts are far from you. But he, he confesses the sin of the nation of Israel. And he said, which have sinned against you. And then he, he narrows it down. And he said, even I and my father's house have sinned. Verse 7 says, we have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. He, he breaks it down and says, God is a nation. We have sinned. But let's be more specific. This house, my father's house, and my heart has rebelled against you. We have refused to obey your commandments. We've refused to live the way that you want us to live. And I have done that. And God, we repent today. That is a big statement to make because we are a proud people and we don't like to say we're wrong. We don't like to say we need help. But this is really important in the course of our prayer life to be able to say, God, um, you are God and I am not. You are perfect and sovereign and I am just a created being and I'm a mess and, and I make mistakes and I have problems. Now I want to be very clear about something. Um, I, think, I think confession and repentance should be part of our lives every day. As a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, I think every day we need to have a moment where we confess our sin to God and where we repent for that. Now that does not mean that we lose our salvation, that every day I have to, uh, that I've messed up, I have to go, well, I gotta get saved all over again. That's not how God's grace works in our lives. God's grace is much stronger than that. But I do think that every day I still make mistakes. I still have conversations that I shouldn't have or I respond in ways I shouldn't. I have attitudes about things sometimes that I shouldn't. And I've gotta repent for that. I've gotta confess that before God and go, God, you know my heart and you know that I'm trying to do my best, but God, I still fail. So God, help me for the times that I've messed up here and here and here. And we confess that before our Heavenly Father but then we don't, we don't stop there with confession. We repent. And what repentance is, is it's a turning away from something. So when we repent of sin, what we're saying is, God, I was wrong to do that, and I will not do that anymore. I'm going to turn and run as far away from that as I possibly can towards your grace and towards your mercy. So see, some of us, we will do things and we'll say, God, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but I know you got to forgive me because you're God and God is love. So I'm going to do this, and then you're going to forgive me, and then I might do it again. Right? That is not repentance. That's just confession. And there's, there's no power in that. There's no forgiveness in that. 
You're presuming on the grace of God. And so what we have to do is say, God, I am wicked. My heart is wicked. The closer I get to you, the more I realize how much darkness resides in me and that I need your help. So, God, I'm confessing my sin before you. Not only am I going to confess my sin, but I'm going to turn away from it. The attitude that I embrace today, I'm, I'm going to walk away from that. I'm not going to embrace that tomorrow. The, the way I responded to those people, I'm not going to respond that way tomorrow, God, with your help. I'm walking away from that. I'm repenting of that. Does that make sense? And so this is what Nehemiah said. He said, hey, God, I'm confessing my sin, but we're repenting of that. We're not going to act that way any longer. In verse 8, he goes on and says, remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you, uh, scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the utmost, uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and your strong hand. This is what Nehemiah does next. He reminds God of his promises. Again, does God need to be reminded? Did God forget his promises for his people? Absolutely not. But Nehemiah is reminding himself and going, God, I know what your promises are for me. Your promises are that if we were unfaithful, you were going to scatter us. But if we'd return to you, you would bring us together. You'd reconcile us. You'd bring us back to a place that, that would be home. And he's talking about Jerusalem. And he said, so God, I know what your promises have been for us. I know what they are. And I'm reminding you, but really, I'm reminding me. And God, we are your servants. God, we submit ourselves to you. Again, sometimes in our lives we, we deal with difficulty, we deal with trouble and tragedy, and, and we feel like God has forgotten about us, but sometimes we have to remind God of his promises for our lives. God, I, I'm staying firm in the fact that you told me that if I served you, you would bless my family. Lord, I, I, I hold firm in that fact, and, I, and I'm reminding you, God, but really I'm reminding myself. And God, I, I know that the word tells us that if we train up a child in the way they should go, when they're old, they will not depart from it. So God, I'm holding fast to that promise, God, that may, my kids might be far from you today, but God, I've trained them right, and God, I'm honoring you, and I'm reminding you of that promise, but I'm really reminding me. Does that make sense? So we remind God of his promises for our life, but sometimes we remind ourselves and go, you know what, I'm holding on to that promise. I'm not walking away from that because our God is a God who keeps his promises to his people. Then Nehemiah 1.11 says this. Oh, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servant's who delight to fear your name. God, God, give me a heart like that, that I delight to fear your name, that I delight in honoring you and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was the cupbearer uh, cup for the king. So what Nehemiah has done and what he's purposed is he said, God, I'm gonna pray day and night for these people. God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fast uh, I'm, I'm going to intercede. I'm going to believe big things. But not only that, I want to do something about that. I, I want to be the answer to the prayer that I'm praying right now. God, I want to do something. Make me an active part of your solution for the nation of Israel. And, and I'm just a cupbearer. Who am I? But God, I know you can use me. And so he's praying this prayer, and we'll see next week. He, he steps into this role where he's going to ask the king to help him do something great. The, the king who has this nation in captivity, he's asking him to help. It was just a bold statement because who is this guy? He's just a cupbearer. He, he's not a regent. He has no authority, no power. He is just the guinea pig who makes sure I, did, I don't die before I eat, right? And he says, God, give me success. Give me favor. Help me be the solution to the problem that we're facing right now. 
God, use me, is what he's saying. Use me. I'm not much. I'm just a cupbearer. I'm not much. I'm just a servant in the king's household, but God, use me. See, so many of us, we pray and we ask God to intercede and intervene, but we don't ask God to help us be the solution to the prayer. We want God to fix things miraculously, and God can do that, but sometimes God wants to use us as the answer to the prayers in our lives. Sometimes God wants to use us to be glorified so that he could be glorified in our world and our situation. You go, well, how can he use me? No, I, don't, I, don't, I never went to Bible college. I'm just, I feel like I'm barely even a Christian. I haven't been serving God that long. How can he use me? God uses, God uses the things that seem like foolishness to man to confound the wise. So he takes things that don't make sense and he uses them for his glory all the time. He uses me in this church. Can you believe that? That's shocking. If he can use me, why in the world couldn't he use you? I'm from Oklahoma. We eat things out of ditches in Oklahoma. Right? God can use you in amazing ways. Today, maybe you're here and you're struggling in a situation, circumstance in your life, and you go, you know what the truth is? I don't know how this is going to turn out. I don't know what this is going to look like, but I know I need God's help. God's here to help you. God's here to minister in you. God's here to, to help take your situation and use it for his glory. But maybe you're here today and you're, you're just saying, I, I'm not even sure about this God thing. I'm really struggling with it. I'm I want to know God, but man, it seems hard. It seems difficult. That's okay. God wants you to take that step and trust him like never before. And I want to give you that opportunity right now. If you would, bow your head and close your eyes all over this room. Maybe you're here today and you say, Mel, the truth is I'm not really a Christian, but I, I want to know God. I mean, I'm not really following Jesus. I'm not really making godly choices, but man, I want to know him. I want to make him Lord of my life. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up and say, that's me. I'm not going to make you come forward. I just want to pray with you right where you're at today. Thank you. Up in the balcony. I see you. can put your hand down, man. Who else says that's me? I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. Thank you. In the center section here. Thank you. Over here on the right, you can put your hand down. That's awesome. Thank you, Lord. Who else? Just a few more seconds. Back here. Thank you so much. Anyone else? Say, pray for me, Mel. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life today. I'm tired of doing this on my own. I need his help. Okay. Well, if you would, I want every one of you to repeat this really simple prayer after me, whether you raised your hand or not, repeat this prayer out loud. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I give you my life today, and I'm asking you to use it for your glory. Take my life, the good and the bad, and use it in miraculous ways. I'm never going back to my old life, to my old ways, and my old thinking. I am yours, and you are mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we give God a round of applause for that? Thank you, Jesus. You are so good. Now listen, if you prayed that prayer, you raised your hand, uh, there's a card in the seat back in front of you. We want to help you take the next step in your faith. Take that prayer card out, fill it out, and drop it in one of our offering boxes as you leave today. There's one in the balcony. There's two down here by the main doors, one over here on my left and your right. Drop that, that prayer card in there. We want to help you take the next step in your journey. I'm excited for you. We had uh, five people in here make decisions today and say, hey, that's me. Pray for me. And so we're excited about you taking the next step for Christ. And a great next step would be to sign up for baptisms next weekend. So do that out in the lobby before you leave today. Um, listen, when it comes to the Imagine Initiative, um, let me just share a couple things with you. Um, 
this whole initiative has been bathed in prayer, but it's, it's, it's going to take people saying, I want to be a part of the solution. Um, it's going to take people saying, you know what, it's not just that we need to do something. It's not just that we need to reach more people in our community and our world. I want to be part of the solution to reach more people in our community and world. And I want to help with that. And I want to show you a quick video of some people recently who have uh, shared that very sentiment with us. So let's go ahead and roll that video, guys. I've been in Indiana for about three years now, and I actually had the opportunity to take another job elsewhere. And um, it was a really tough decision, but I really felt like I was meant to stay here in Indiana. And at the time of that decision, I really didn't understand it. And then everything started coming out about the Imagine Initiative. And we uh, played that video and just seeing what it would mean for the summit. And as soon as I saw it for the first time, I just started bawling for um, just no apparent reason. And then I saw it again the second time and again just started bawling. And it was really neat to see what God's doing here at the summit. And I'm really excited to see the opportunity to really impact the youth. And working at IUP has been really, really neat to see that these could be the potential students at IUP or um, at a university across the country. So I really believe in it, and I can't wait to see what happens. Uh, we're both uh, very excited uh, to be involved in the Imagine Initiative. Uh, over the past several years, uh, we've seen the church grow leaps and bounds. We've seen lives changed. We've seen people saved to come to know the Lord that didn't know the Lord. And um, we just look forward to seeing just how many lives are going to be affected and changed by this. I think the first thing that really excited me when I heard about it was the fact that we are going to be reaching the children and the youth. And uh, I know that our children are our future. And if we can train them now when they're young, can't even imagine what impact it's going to be later when they're adults. I had many discussions with Pastor Dick about tithing and what it means and well how do you afford it and all of that stuff that so many people deal with when they're trying to start or thinking of reasons to not start and at the end of the day we basically just said time to stop making excuses and do it and I haven't thought about it since. It's just part of, I mean, it's just kind of part kind of- natural now. Right. We decided that our commitment for the Imagine Initiative um, would be 12% of our income. We don't have any kids yet, but we are very excited for this Imagine Initiative, um, just with this new kids program coming in and just reaching the entire town and just to see what God's gonna do. He's gonna change so many lives and just bring so many people in and like Pastor Mel said, it's gonna be a ripple effect and it's gonna be amazing. We're young parents and we want our daughter to grow up with a great kids ministry. And I think that that's our biggest reason why we're so excited. I am self-employed, so I'm going to work a couple more hours every week and put my money directly to those funds so that we know that, that, that we have the money every week. We're gonna pray and ask God, what are we responsible for? We wanna be obedient, so. We know that um, he has always blessed us and been so faithful with meeting our needs in so many areas that we know that's what the future is going to be like no matter what he asks us to give up. So We're committed to that, to be honest, we planned on retiring and moving away until we heard what the church was doing and brought back to our remembrance the prophetic words that have been shared about what this church is going to be doing and we've decided we have to stay and become part of this. Hang on, hold on. It's going to and, be a ride. Yeah, and keep blessing the Lord in the process, and you're going to see him blessing you 
He does have a future for us, and He does give us a hope. So don't let go of the promises that He's given you as a family and us as a church family. So hang on and hold on, because it's going to be awesome. Amen. Amen. Uh, today, as you came in, we've been talking about these intention cards some the last few weeks, but there was an intention card on or near your seat as you came in. Um, and I just want to share a couple things about this before we move on. Um, just know that what we're doing here today is going to have an eternal impact. That what we're doing today is, is not about a building. It's about lives that are going to be transformed for God's glory. It's about people who their entire destiny will be changed. That God is changing the direction of their life and changing their future because of what happens through this church and through your generosity today. So please know that generations of people will be transformed because of what we choose to do today. A couple things as you're looking at this intention card I want to remind you of. Um, this intention card includes what you would have normally given over the course of the next two years and uh, because of the expanded vision, because the church said, hey, we want to reach even more people than before, um, your response to that. So if God is speaking to you and laid it on your heart, you go, hey, I want to be a part of the solution. I want to help with that. I want to, I want to see God reach more people than ever before too, and, and I want to invest in that, then that's what this intention card is. It's what you would have already given plus that, that expanded giving as well. And, and just from a functional perspective, sometimes these cards can be a little confusing. And if if you're not sure as you fill this card out, if you haven't filled it out already, the number you need to be most concerned with or the, the line, if you're not sure about what to fill in certain areas, the line that you need to make sure you hit for us is the one at the bottom where it says my or our two-year intention. So it just basically says, here's what we as a family or a couple intend to do over the next two years toward this, um, toward this vision that God has placed on our hearts. And, you know, my prayer is that we will realize that Imagine is not about money at all. It really is about people. It's about souls. It's about lives being transformed. Um, and I will tell you, um, as Kim and I prayed about and talked about what we were going to do, it was a little bit scary. And I'm the pastor of this church. It was a little bit nerve-wracking to go, wait, we're giving, we're, we're giving how much? But as we settled on that and just felt a peace in our spirit, I just know that God's going to use it in incredible ways, that God's going to do amazing things. And I will tell you that um, for us, it's not about the money. It's about the people that are going to be transformed. It's about the lives that are going to be changed. It's about the, the boys and girls and the teenagers who are going to um, get to avoid some of the challenges that some of us walked through because they're going to have Jesus and the Holy Spirit on their side. They're going to be raised in a healthy, godly environment. You know, some of you here today, um, maybe you've never given to the summit before. And we've talked about that a little before. Maybe you've never made any kind of commitment to giving. I want to say thank you because uh, what you're doing when you make a commitment, uh, especially for the first time, it's a big step. It's a big step of faith to trust God and to believe him. And it's going to help grow you and disciple you. It's going to change lives, but it's going to change your life as well. So I want to say thank you. If you're here and you've been a faithful giver over the years, and maybe this is just a natural extension of that, I want to say thank you for your faithfulness. I know God's going to bless you and God's going to do incredible things as you, um, as you become a part of this, as you step into God and, and being generous, but maybe even a greater role of generosity. So I want to say thank you for that. Um, 
You know, I heard a, a quote recently and said, generosity begins with us asking, what can God make possible with what I have? And that's what I want you to ask yourself today. I want you to ask yourself, what can God make possible with what I have or what we have as a family, as a couple? What, what can God do with us if we just trust him with it? Because I'm telling you, God can do the miraculous. So this is what I'd like to do. The band's gonna play softly. I want us to take just a couple minutes and I want you to, to maybe you came, to, came today and you didn't have a card filled out. I want you to prayer, just prayerfully consider what God would have you do. Maybe you're sitting with your spouse. Uh, talk to your spouse about it pray about it and, and take a moment and write that number down and, and in just two minutes I'll come back up and I'll give us some instruction but take a moment if you haven't already and just pray God would, what would you have me do and if you're a guest here if this is your first time or maybe you're new to the summit you're still trying to figure out if this is going to be your church home there's no pressure to be a part of this at all um, but if you consider the summit your home church and especially if you're a member of the summit um, we want you to, to be a part of this and step into this so let's take just a couple minutes and pray about this and see what God would lay on your heart This is what I'd like to do here in just a moment. The worship team's gonna begin to play. And as they do, uh, I wanna ask you, 
Uh, we're going to stand in just a moment all over the room, but I want to ask you that as they begin to play and we begin to worship together, if you would, uh, bring your, your intention card. And there's four baskets here at the front of this room on the stage here, and there's one up in the balcony by the offering box. And so I would just want to ask you to, to make your way out of your seat as we begin to worship together and, and bring your intention card and just put it in one of these baskets. And, um, and I just want us to pray over these because I, I told the church last night, that this is, these are not just cards, this does not represent money, this represents seed. And we're planting seed in good soil and we're going to see a harvest. The harvest we're going to see is souls. We're going to see a harvest of lives transformed. We're going to see a harvest of people changed for God's glory like never before. And so I want us to pray together over these. If you would, stand your feet all over the room, and let's just pray together. If you would, grab your intention card, hold it in your hand, and let's just pray together. God, I thank you that you are a big God, that, Lord, we can believe you for big things, that we can trust you for big things. But, God, you ask us for big things as well. So God, I pray that we as a people would not be a church that would shrink away in fear from big things, Lord, from hard things. So God, let us step into the role you have for us. God, let us be a part of the things that you have planned for us. And I, God, I pray right now for, for faith to rise up in this church, Lord, as people are trusting you in big ways. I know, God, that there are people here that are taking bigger steps of faith than they ever have in their life with these intention cards. So God, I pray your blessing on them, God. I pray for faith to fight fear right now, God. I pray that we would begin to see you as you really are. God, let us reflect your glory to this world in a greater way than ever before. God, you've been glorified here already, but God, we're believing in the days and weeks and years to come that we're gonna see thousands of people changed for your glory. That God, we're not just satisfied being a good church, but God, we wanna be a church that changes our community and changes our region and changes our world for your glory. So God, let us not be afraid to step out and trust you in big ways. So God, I pray your blessing on this church. I pray your blessing on these people. And God, as we step out in faith today and believe you for big things, God, let us experience your goodness and your glory in, in ways that we've never even imagined before. So God, I pray today you truly would do abundantly more than we ask or imagine. God, let us see you work in miraculous ways and we will give you the glory for it. Father, we love you and we thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's worship together. I'll lead out 
I am telling you, the next two years are going to be some of the most exciting times in the history of this church. God is going to do amazing things here among us that we're going to get to experience some unbelievable things, and I can't wait for God to do it. God's already begun some things in people's hearts and lives. We're already seeing God work, but I think the next two years are going to be truly incredible. So I want to say thank you in advance for your generosity. Thank you for believing in what God is doing here and being a part of it. Um, let me tell you a couple things. I've had some people ask, when does this start or when do we start giving? Uh, whenever you want, today, yesterday, whatever. It, it doesn't, we don't have a strict timeline on that. So um, as you give, that's what this is going to because it's all going to the one vision of seeing every life made different. So you can start whenever you want. If you want to give today, um, you can make a check out to the summit. You can uh, use cash and put it in one of those offering envelopes and drop it in one of our offering boxes as you leave today. Uh, you can give via text by texting Summit PA to 77977 and, and doing a t text or give by text if you like. Uh, or if you're watching online or if you want to go to our website, summittogether.com, and hit the give button at the top of the screen, you can do that as well. Let me remind you about one thing. Um, I, I mentioned this last week, but we have a family in our church that said we believe so passionately and so strongly in generosity, we want to help our church develop that as well. And so they've said for every first-time gift that comes in between now and the end of the year, they will match it dollar for dollar. So if you've never given to the summit before, but you say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write a $100 check, uh, they're going to match that $100 dollar for dollar and, and give an even bigger impact to your giving. So I want you to know this is an opportunity for you to maximize your generosity. If you've been thinking about it, trying to decide, do I want to test God in this? This is a perfect time to do that because we're going to be able to see God do even more. So if you give with cash and you just drop a five in, we're not going to be able to match that because we can't track it. But if you put it in an offering envelope, we'll be able to see that and we can match dollar for dollar. So take advantage of that. That's, that's a God thing and I'm so grateful for that. So please prayerfully consider that as well. Let me pray over the tithe and offering and then we'll be dismissed. God, I love you and I'm so grateful for your goodness to us. I pray your blessing on us as we are faithful to do what you've asked us to do. God, let us experience you in incredible ways. God, I pray your blessing on the tithe and offering today, that you bless families, that you do incredible things, that we would see you at work when we trust you with our finances. So Lord, bless it in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Guys, again, thank you so much. Our prayer team's gonna be on either side of the stage. If you need prayer before you leave, stop by. I love you more than you know, and I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. God bless you. Have a great day.
Thank you for listening to this podcast. To watch this message on video, go to summittogether.com.